You're listening to The Golden Mean. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Golden Mean, episode 87. I'm Timothy. I'm Swan. And we are back. It has been two months, maybe longer, Swan? Almost three, actually. Three months? Yeah, Yeah. I think about three months. Well, if you didn't know, we graduated. (laughs) Then we had all the stuff that goes with that. You know, we had our finals, last finals week. We had... uh, you know, the graduation ceremonies, we went on, at least I did a little mini grad trip as COVID allows kind of thing. And then I've been moving to, I moved to Arizona. And so, you know, we decided given everything going on, it would be a little bit of a hiatus was in order. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the update here is that Tim left me um, for bigger and better things, (laughs) not bigger and better basketball teams, but, you know, a different state. Hey, I'm I'm still and will be to the day I die a Warriors fan at heart, my friend. Yeah. Just you because I be. have to casually root for the Phoenix Suns when they are not playing the Warriors does not diminish how much I will be rooting against them when they are playing the Warriors. Um, yeah, that should be pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, same same here. I mean, I graduated. I I took like a couple weeks off, um, and then I've basically just been preparing for grad school applications. I took the GRE recently, <laughs> which is kind of, yeah, uh, a big deal. I was studying for that for a month and a half or so. Never really studied for a standardized testing, Tim. I don't know if you can relate. Uh, Maybe did, a little. I may or may it, not have only taken one practice test the SAT yep. the night before. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Same here. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> um, Maybe. So it was definitely a change of pace, uh, but I got through it and, and the scores are, I was pretty happy with them, so. Now I'm focusing on um, just certain early deadlines that I have and then just writing the rest of my statements and all of that. So it's been a grind on that. I'm doing, I'm technically working too. I'm continuing my like tutoring slash like peer learning job um, in the summer, helping out transfers um, adjust to UCLA, helping them with the writing and all of that. So that's been pretty fun. Um, but I've been at home, moved back and it's a pretty nice though. It, it feels different to move back after you finish school, you know. Yeah. So anyway, if you haven't already noticed by the title and description of this, presumably in the post we did with it, we're doing something slightly different. Well, during this hiatus, we talked a couple times about the Golden Mean, you know, even though we weren't necessarily recording podcast, and we decided that we wanted to make some changes, you know, and something we've talked about in the past, feeling like, you know, maybe we were doing a little too much reporting the news and day-to-day weekly stuff and missing out on some of the deeper discussions and deeper dives that, you know, we'd like to characterize this podcast. And so with that in mind, we have decided that we're ditching the format we've been following for the for pretty much the entire time we've been doing this podcast, actually, Swan. Um, and we're going to do move to more single topic episodes. So these are going to aim rather than the approximately the hour or more often it was episodes we'd be running. Uh, we're going to try to do topic episodes that are singular topic and are going to run about 40 minutes and hopefully allow us to dive a little deeper um, into that topic. And so with that in mind, you're going to have a couple coming out this first week because we don't we're not planning on ditching um, politics or the real world episodes, but we also don't want to ditch basketball with these. So there'll probably be a two track um, thing we're doing with about every other week doing a political or something related, you know, more towards life episode. 
Um, so I think the one we'll be talking about, a couple we have coming up are going to be about like the Delta variant, the crisis that's going on in Afghanistan, and the California governor's recall. And then in between those episodes, maybe not every um, time in between those, but probably at least once a month we'll be doing some sort of basketball or sports or more, more of a fun-related episode. Um, and so that'll kind of be our schedule going forward, and that'll split it off, and we think that allows us to, A, have those deeper conversations, and B, if you're a person who really likes the sports episodes, you can listen to those. And if you really like the politics but don't like the sports, you can listen to those. And so that's kind of where we're going. And so this episode, Swan, I know you're ready to say some stuff, so I'll shut up in a second here. But, uh, you know, this one's going to be catching up on the NBA offseason because a lot's happened. And we'll be releasing, the you know, a political com, um, compliment this week as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I think our ultimate goal with this is to, I mean, it's it's a little bit easier for us to like really hone in on certain things. Like Tim said, we were becoming the news at some point. And I think our listeners, it's a little bit hard to get through the whole episode because you have to be particularly interested like in basketball and all these other things. But it'd be easier to, you know, look at an episode, know directly what it is, and then, you know, have a good sense of where you're going to be listening to. So this kind of breaking up of different topics, I think will be pretty useful. We'll probably explore like um, even different options. Like we're kind of testing this out for um, a good amount of episodes and then we'll see where we go from there. But we're pretty excited for this uh, format. I think um, our listeners should be excited as well. I'm just excited to be getting back to the swing of it, catching up with Tim more often because it gets a little bit hard. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited to talk about basketball today. There's so much that's happened. Um, and I can't wait. All right, well, let's get started. Um, since the last thing we saw, the NBA championship, I feel like that's an appropriate thing. Bucks over Suns. We won't belabor this too much, except I'm going to say I called it. If you go back into, I think, the last episode before we left off, I said Bucks over Suns for the title, so I will take the the bow on that one. Admittedly, I got lucky with Kevin Durant's shoe, but, um, you know. So that's where we left off, and then... We had quite the busy epi- the busy offseason, Swan. Yeah, actually, before we move into that, I also wanted to come on the finals. Just because I want to say, like, I think that was probably uh, one of the, I guess, first or only finals that I genuinely enjoyed watching uh, without the Warriors in it. I mean, they've been in it for so long, right? So it's even hard to say. But, like... You know, let's say the Warriors are in it, but they lose, right? I, I'm not going to be happy about that. So I guess it's another way to put it is, uh, this is the finals. I was actually happy to see another team win because we had no chance. Um, and it was just so good to see Giannis win and all, all the other guys on his team win. Like, they're obviously very good players, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton in particular. But they had struggle games and they had things to come back from. They had a chip on their shoulder and I felt like, that delivery through the end, especially on Giannis's end, uh, with monstrous games, especially in the last game, making like 19 free throws or something ridiculous like that, when that's been his Achilles heel all season. Like, it was just kind of a storybook um, season. So it was good to watch, you know, kind of as an outsider who didn't really have a particular team to root for. Yeah, I mean, I guess I will make a few comments on that. A, I love to see Giannis get rewarded already for sticking it in Milwaukee. Um, also definitely solidified that I know he is one of the four best players in the NBA period. The other three being KD, Curry, and LeBron. 
um, rank those however you will. But Giannis is definitely up there in that conversation as one of the best players in the NBA. It also puts him, and I don't want to do this because like I think this debate is over, but rated. But uh, he's got he won a title before either LeBron or MJ, and has two MVPs to boot. Like, and defensive player of the year, right? And defensive player of the year. Granted, MJ did that too, and LeBron should have won it one year. But, um, you know, like, he's put himself squarely in the all-time great conversation. And, you know, I'm not going to go any further, but that's just... So, that was really that's cool fair. to see. Yeah. You know, and a great. it was a great series, you know, top to bottom. So, that's that. But, you know, that's over with, and we got a new season coming. And I'm sure Giannis would have that same mindset of, well, it's over, you know, next season. Um, I think he said as much previously. So, you know, this offseason, honestly, this offseason started with quite the bang. And then the bang somehow got a little bigger. Um, I'm referring to the Russell Westbrook to the Lakers trade that somehow morphed into a five-team mega deal. Um but the gut, the gist of it here is the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook to complement AD and LeBron adding, you know, trading Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell, and the 22nd overall pick to the Wizards for Russell Westbrook. Swan? I mean, should I respond to the Westbrook trade? <laughs> yeah, let's start with just the Westbrook part of it, and then we'll look at the rest of that, because... I- I think this was pretty surprising because it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere and happened fairly quickly. And it was surprising, not just because of the timing or how fast it got done, but it was surprising because I was surprised the Lakers would go for this initially. Like Westbrook next to AD and LeBron when you ideally pair a ton of shooters next to those two. Uh, That's how LeBron has pretty much won uh, his whole career. So I think that was really surprising. But now I've been like hearing, you know, some Lakers fans are really justifying it. So I'm like, okay, I can kind of see it, but I can also kind of see it going pretty poorly. Yeah, I think that's about where I sit on this one as well, is that Westbrook does not fit nicely next to AD or LeBron. The one thing he will do, and the Lakers maybe prioritized, is in the non-LeBron minutes, he will give them a center. Not a center like the position, but like something to center their offense around. And that'll allow them to rest LeBron more in the regular season, which LeBron has finally gotten to the point where he needs that a lot. Um, And so like it'll help. But again, LeBron, AD, and Westbrook shooting-wise, even if you put two shooters around them, and the Lakers don't want to a lot of time. They want to play a center with that for some unknown reason. Um, AD doesn't want to play the five. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be, you know, interesting to see if they can make that work or if teams will play the defense the Lakers of all teams played on Westbrook two seasons ago, which was ignore him out on the perimeter and dare him to shoot threes. And, you know, I mean, I think the other thing they did do a pretty good job of, I mean, they signed a ton of impressive veterans, but they can shoot. Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington. All can shoot. None of them are necessarily like elite shooters, except Monk has the potential to be, to be fair. But they can shoot. So everybody else in that roster, you know, save uh, Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo, 
um, can shoot the rock. And so, you know, we'll see. I think the other thing will be is how does their defense hold up, right? They were the best defensive team in the league last year. Um, Westbrook's a defense decent defender. Uh, AD is obviously a monster, and LeBron, when he's engaged, is. But none of those guys they signed are particularly good defenders, save maybe Trevor Ariza. You know, so we'll see if they can contend. You know, Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell Pope, good defender. They lost Caruso, another good defender. So we'll see uh, how that holds. But questions abound, but they got a lot of talent. Yeah, they definitely do. It's truly just a, uh, a, a roster that would have been insane. Maybe three, max like five years ago, this roster would have been pretty crazy. If you go even further back, it would still be good, which puts into perspective how old some of these guys are. Uh, so I think that's pretty interesting. It'll actually be pretty funny to watch them all on one floor, um, especially Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, and LeBron. Back with Rondo, too. It's just like, LeBron said, get in my backpack. We're going to take you to the promised land. Carmelo, we're getting you there. <laughs> I think like, that's honestly, literally like 2013, the lineup of Westbrook. Sorry to cut you off. Westbrook, Mello, LeBron, AD, and Dwight Howard, unstoppable. Exactly. That it's such an interesting thought experiment, but I think if the Lakers can do it this season, it will be really good. Um, I want to comment on a point earlier that you made. I think Westbrook will be nice for LeBron in some aspects, like you said, being another ball handler. Like, I wonder if we'll see LeBron, a LeBron that resorts a bit more to just shooting, which would be ideal, I think, more ideal for him as he gets older. Um, he's a fairly okay shooter. Um, definitely is really good for some reason when it counts, like the playing game against the Warriors last year. Um, sorry to bring up that trauma, Tim, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And then from the Wizards side of this deal, I really like what they did. First off, they switched, they made this a five-team deal so they get Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a really good guard, assuming he comes back from his ACL surgery fine. Kuzma, Caldwell, Pope, and Harrell give them a ridiculous amount of depth, which, like, I can't even stress. From small forward through center, they are three deep with rotation level, if not starting level players at each position. Oh, wow. They are I actually didn't know that. stupid deep. Granted, again, they only have the one star in Beal, and everybody's kind of like, it's one of those things where they maybe have too much depth, you know? Yeah. But uh, they're stupid deep. And then they flipped the 22nd pick to get Aaron Holiday because they needed a backup point guard, and he's a, he's a solid one. And the 31st pick. So, And for Westbrook, who they gave up nothing to get, and they got a pretty good return. So we'll see how that goes for them. And then the Spurs, the Nets, and the Pacers just kind of got incidentals in this. Don't need to talk about that too much. But, yeah, I like the Wizards' return. Yeah, I I might have to switch up my uh, how, how good I think the Wizards are. I didn't even feel, I honestly didn't really look too much into this trade while it was happening. But, yeah, it, it, it's good. Definitely the depth. I Like you said, it might be too much depth and not enough star power, so... We'll see how that goes. I'm actually keeping an eye on Kuzma because he's always been so memed in LA because he was really inconsistent. But I mean, that was also part of his role, like also because of his role. So 
we'll see how he does. I think whenever someone goes to the Wizards, it's always really weird for me because for some reason the Wizards jersey is just different. <laughs> so They're very red, white, and bluey. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. I, I'm I'm excited for them though. Hope they yeah. get some good good how to have a good. I think the uh, the other team here that made a lot of waves this offseason was the Bulls. Um, pulling three separate sign-and-trade deals. Three of them. Which, that's a lot. I think there's like usually on average like th- two or three in the NBA, in the entire NBA year, and the Bulls just did three by themselves. So uh, <laughs> They were trying to get this done. Yeah. So I guess we'll run through all three of them real quick, and then we can talk about, you know, big picture stuff. But uh, the first one is the Bulls got Lonzo, and they gave up pretty much nothing to get it. Uh, They gave up Thomas Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, and a 2024 second, and then the deal was later expanded so the Pelicans could trade a first for Devontae Graham uh, to the Hornets, which is questionable, but we'll leave that alone for now. Um, You know, and so they get Lonzo Ball for not much. Then they traded DeMar De, for DeMar DeRozan from the Spurs for Thaddeus Young, Al Farouk Amino, a first-rounder, and two seconds. So a lot of draft compensation there, but, I mean, DeRozan's a very good player. And finally, just, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but um, when we're recording this at least, they traded away Lowry Markkinen for Derek Jones Jr. and Portland's first-rounder uh, with Markkinen going to the Cavs and the Blazers getting Larry Nance Jr., so, quite quite the off season. Yeah, quite the off season, and and I was not expecting the Bulls to be making such significant moves. I mean, they did fairly well last uh, year, but it was you know mostly just Zach Levine kind of coming into his own as as basically like a star for the team. Um, they have Vucevic, who is really good, right? But they couldn't really push into that next category. But now with these two signings um, and, and the way that they complement each other fairly well, I think they have a really good shot, I think. And, and I'm pretty interested to see how, how they all play well together. Yeah, I think it's going to... The Bulls are going to be interesting no matter what because they can play really fast and they have a ton of playmaking. Lonzo Ball is a good playmaker. DeMar DeRozan is a very underrated playmaker. He's excellent. So is Vucevic. Uh, another really good playmaker, especially as a center, probably one of the top five playmaking centers. And Zach Levine is much improved as a playmaker. So they're going to play fast. They're going to score a ton. Um, my thing is, A, you know, obviously this has been a somewhat overrated concern in the past, but there's one basketball. You know, Alonzo Ball can play off ball, but he needs some touches. Levine definitely needs touches. So does DeMar DeRozan, who's not really a shooter. And Vucevic needs touches. And the other thing is, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic aren't exactly very good defenders. Um, so I think you're going to see the Bulls in a lot of high-scoring shootouts this year. Um, and the other thing is, they have a ton of depth in the backcourt, not so much the front court. Yeah, they only a lot of players. At this point is uh, Derek Jones Jr., who, you know, nice get, decent wing depth, and Troy Brown, who's kind of a project that's never really gone anywhere and they only have one backup center uh tony bradley who wasn't really an nba player until last year um you know he was on teams but wasn't really doing anything so 
you know, the Bulls, I think talent-wise, can compete with most teams short of like that top-tier team, top-tier teams. But there's a lot that could go wrong here. But again, a lot that could go right. Yeah, I mean, I'm just glad Bulls fans have something to be excited about since Derrick Rose. I know. <laughs> there haven't been too much going on over there. <laughs> yeah. So, I think they'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch. We'll talk later about where maybe they fit playoff-wise, you know? Yeah. Um, I might but... have to adjust some of my expectations for these teams. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where I end up. <laughs> I'm, like, All learning right. about some of these things <laughs> as we go. Um. The Heat going big, making a big swing. Honestly, what else is new? The Heat, Pat Riley only operate one way, which is go big or go home, right? Yeah. Um, so they signed and trade for Kyle Lowry, who might be the biggest free agent of the offseason. I think he is the biggest free agent of the offseason yeah. to switch teams. Uh, for Goran Dragic and Precious Aichua, they signed P.J. Tucker away um, from the Bucks and brought back uh, Duncan Robinson and Victor Oladipo. And they extended Jimmy Butler. So, again, you know, a lot of big swings in there. Um, I think Kyle Lowry, fit-wise, is near perfect for them. I think his shooting, they need some shooting, and he's a great shooter. Um, his scoring and playmaking from that, and his ability to provide defense there, um, fits really nice. And, I mean, Tucker just as a switch. Him and Otto Bio as a switch, and Jimmy Butler as a switchable front court. Oof. That's going to be nightmares to score on. Yep. Um, and if Victor Oladipo's healthy, you know. Yeah, is he coming back soon? Do we know? I don't really know. I don't know if I'm hitting know, I think he's going to miss a little bit into the season. Yeah. But they'll probably be overly cautious with him, and hopefully he comes back at full strength. I mean, right. if he can get back to his Indiana days. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be pretty crazy for them. Like, it'd be a, such a good starting five. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, though, there's a little bit of stuff going on here. I mean, Jimmy Butler's a non-shooter, so is Bam Adebayo. Um, Victor Oladipo, and it's not exactly known for being a good shooter. And P.J. Tucker's three-point shot deserted him for most of last year. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, it looks like they're going to be great defensively. And so the question will be, can they score enough offense, I think? And maybe... Um, you know, can they stay healthy? Because Jimmy Butler, I think, is going on 33. Lowry's 36. Uh, P.J. Tucker's 36 or 37. So, I don't know. We'll see if they can do that. Yeah. I was saying this earlier, too. But, I mean, the old men do it different these days, Tim. As the as the league has progressed, I feel like the ages for how good a player is are changing. I mean, I think LeBron has single-handedly pretty much shifted that entire um narrative almost and i mean kyle lowry still playing at a high level so i mean i think they'll have a couple a couple good years but we'll really see what they can do this season i think this season will be a, a testament for the long run especially because i think they only have oladipo for one year i think it's a he, he signed a one-year deal so we'll really have to see how the heat do as well yeah um and then we'll just highlight a couple other teams that maybe didn't make a lot of big moves but they may have made a lot of moves, you know? Um, like the Grizzlies, uh, they picked up Eric Bledsoe and Stephen Adams um, for Jonas Valanciunas. There's some draft pick exchange in there from the Pelicans. The Pelicans were doing a salary dump to try to get, I think it was Kyle Lowry was their main target. Obviously, as we just covered, they whiffed on that one. Um, 
but they did that. Got a nice guy at 10. Then they turned around, flipped Bledsoe for Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, and a prospect, essentially. And then they turned around and flipped Patrick Beverly for Jarrett Culver, who was the number six pick two years ago, and Juancho Hernandez, who was two years removed from being like an up-and-coming star before he got hurt last year. So they did a lot of wheeling and dealing, and holy cow, you know we were talking about how the Wizards were deep? The Grizzlies <laughs> are deep. Right. They have 17 NBA players on their roster, and if you can do a little you know that that that's two more than you're allowed to have <laughs> which is why they waived Rajon Rondo which like they're just I don't know they're just picking up everything they can grab and I don't know what to do with the, the Grizzlies because they're so deep but like you know they got a guy in Zaire Williams at 10 who's got like an unlimited ceiling which is what I think they need because they have all that depth they need that star power but like I don't know like I feel like I should be ranking them in my like top five but also i should be forecasting them to miss the playoffs yeah i don't have too much to say about the grizzlies i'm still salty to beat us that's all. <laughs> that's fair um boston boston did a lot as well they traded kemba uh to the thunder for al horford got him back picked up uh, josh richardson for the mavericks somehow got dennis schroeder for six million dollars a year which gotta oh, be God. the turned down what was it like an 84 million dollar offer or something yeah, like that this man is this man hates life right now honestly i mean hey you know maybe he plays really well and he gets the bag next summer right 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 um and then they traded away tristan thompson because that was probably a good idea um and then they extended some of their guys i don't know it's one of those things where it's like you look at the end of the result and you're like this doesn't look so much different but like you did a lot to get here you know right sometimes like the change is just good but it's not very obvious evidently you know yeah i mean like i think horford is a nice fit for them you know he played really well for them then they traded him um i don't remember why they traded him salary cap reasons or something like that mm-hmm. um but he should fit nicely with the two j's Schroeder gives him a point guard because they actually didn't have a point guard after they traded kemba they were going to play marcus smart at the point full time <laughs> which uh yeah. He can That's... do, but, like, definitely better as the backup. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know. I think they'll be better. They really disappointed last year. So, we'll see if they can be better. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I guess we also have the Hornets and the Knicks. Uh, or Were there, like, particular things you wanted to highlight about these trades, Tim? Because I know there's, yeah. like, a bunch of shuffling around happening here, too. I don't know. I was just thinking, like, I like the Hornets. Kelly Oubre Jr. didn't work for the Warriors, clearly. Mm. Um, last year, right. I think that's something we're very equipped to talk about, but he's still a good player, and they got him on the cheap. Uh, they acquired Mason Plumley, who is a really underrated center, and given they didn't have a single quality center, he's good. They got a free first-rounder from the Pelicans, and they, they had a really good draft. So, you know, just building around LaMelo, some guys that honestly, like, Kai Jones is really explosive. Him throwing, Mellow throwing lobs to him is going to be, they already got Bridges, but Kai Jones might be a better lob threat than Bridges. So see how that goes. And then Knicks, I mean, the Knicks got brought back Derrick Rose, no, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burke. Um, they signed Evan Fournier and they got Kemba Walker. So it's one of those things where it's like, and had some good draft picks, but 
they got better. It's just one of those questions of like, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like the Knicks last year were a very grit and grind. They're a Tom Thibodeau team, right? You know, they're going to play great defense and everything, but they lost their best perimeter defender. They signed a guy in Fournier who's an ant defender. Kemba Walker's never been a good defender. So, like, they went all in on fixing their weakness, which was they didn't have enough shot creation. But now you're starting to wonder, like, you know, what's the the result going to be on the other end of that? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, their offensive game was, will be really good. I think it'll also depend on how good of a season Kemba will have. I believe in him, though. I think he can bounce back. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess the one team I wanted to highlight because I feel like they're getting really underrated. I know I've been talking so much about like this is all the stuff I want to highlight, uh, but you know the Bucks. Yeah, they lost PJ Tucker, but they got Semi Ojale, which from the Celtics, who's one of those guys who always just kind of performs well in a really small role, in exactly that PJ Tucker role, which is the slightly undersized but really stocky power forward who can guard like three through five pretty easily and knock down a few threes. Um, they brought back Bobby Portis somehow, who had an amazing finals um, and last year. But even though they could, were like capped on how much money they could offer him, um, they re-signed George Hill, who they traded last year to get Drew Holiday, which obviously I don't think anybody is ever complaining about that one <laughs> in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, you know, got a championship out of that one. But, you know, they were playing Jeff Teague in the finals, and that was just not going nope, that well. was not it so george hill big upgrade there and then they traded for grayson allen who you may remember as the duke guy that was tripping everybody um yep <laughs> but uh you know they lost he's a better shooter than their designated sharpshooter was last year but he also is good at things that don't involve shooting the basketball and could be a nice boon for their offense and will just fit nicely next to Giannis. you know and i think one of those things where they didn't get a whole lot better but i think they did get better if that makes sense yeah i think having a strong backup point guard still having bobby portis um and some of these other trades it's like when you're at the top it's hard to get a lot better right unless you are the warriors and kevin durant wants to join your team uh (laughs) so i feel like this season for the bucks will still be very good I just, I think for me, it's like, I think there's a sense of like, there were certain things, obviously in the East, especially injuries for the Nets that made the road a little bit, um, I guess, less challenging. I mean, it was still very challenging. Kevin Durant is amazing, but it will definitely be a challenge for them um, to, you know, get back to that spot. But if they can do it, I feel like that would be amazing. Yeah. So anyway, you'll also notice we mentioned nothing about the Warriors because that is going to be its own podcast because if we start talking about them, we're going to talk all night. So the one thing we wanted to do, you know, and we kind of previewed maybe some of the ways this, the league has shifted this year is uh, let's run down how we think about this is going to go, you know. So we done. We kind of came up with our own little lists of like who we think's you know, kind of tears of the NBA. You know, we're not going to make any prediction. We'll wait until the dust fully settles because there's still a few things that might happen, you know, like a Ben Simmons trade that would completely change the entire complexity of the league, right? Um, so we'll wait to see, you know, before we make any, like, finals predictions or playoff or like that. But, Swan, where do you want to start, west or east? 
let's start. Let's start with the East because this is the tra- trades that we talked about most recently. Uh, do you want to start from the from the like the bottom, kind of like your I guess two bottom tier teams, and then uh, I guess listing them and then noting what whatever you want to about some of these teams. Yeah, let's start there. Um, so at the bottom of the East, I'm thinking Cavaliers, Pistons, Magic. It's kind of my bottom tier there. I don't know right, about I got, you. I got the Raptors, Magic, Cavs, and so not too different. Yeah, I mean, considering the Raptors are one out of my bottom tier, so, yeah. you know. I mean, I think all three of the, the my teams at least have some very young, intriguing talent. I think the Pistons are actually going to be really good next year. I don't know about right. playoff. I think the, you know... I'm feeling bold. I might say I predict Pistons to make the playoffs next year. I don't know if I'm quite feeling that bold at the moment, yeah. but I think all of these have in common is they lack top end talent, and young players generally good young players don't usually contribute to winning, especially rookies, which are going to be playing a big role on these teams. So yeah, I had them a little bit higher the Pistons because uh, I was like I'm just excited to watch Kate Cunningham, <laughs> but I think I probably would swap them. So my next two is like Pistons Wizards, but I think I'd probably swap those two um, considering I learned a little bit more about the trades that the Wizards made. Um, but that wouldn't be too different from what you have either. Our, bot- our bottom five is essentially the same. Just slightly different order. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I kind of have the next four teams tiered together, but you're right. The bottom two I have are the Raptors, who I don't really know what to do with because they really bad last year but they were also not playing in toronto for all of the last year and i'm pretty sure they will be this year at least you know depending delta right maybe that'll knock them out but and they lost kyle lowry so that kind of was the nail in the coffin that like keeps them down there for me but i would not be surprised at all to see them make the playoffs and same with the wizards i mean i feel like everybody in the east outside of the top eight feels like they should be a playoff team it's just hard to place people them over people you know and then in that tier as well i think actually our bottom seven are all exactly the same right Um, i think the east the playoff teams are pretty clear it's like when you step one out it's like then it starts getting a little bit hazy yeah um but i got the pacers and the hornets both again who really feel like they should be playoff teams and i think again the hornets with all that young talent i think they probably need another two years before they're serious you know yeah but definitely i think play in contenders all four of those teams for me are playing contenders right yeah i i basically had just the hornets and the pacers flipped um so yeah i guess just the the order but honestly i feel like out of the the league as a whole i think the teams outside of the playoffs in the east are probably the ones i watch the least <laughs> so That's it's fair. like it's a little bit hard for me to do that accurately, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, no, to me too. I feel like I'm throwing darts. Like, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, you know, I really should put Bradley Beal in the Wizards higher because, like, yeah, he's the best but, player. But but I just don't want to, <laughs> for me at least. <laughs> yeah. All right, playoffs. Oh. Who's your bottom playoff tier, Swan? Okay. Um. So this is controversial, but I just want to meme on the 76ers. So they are technically, if, if I were to reflect the rankings in the playoffs, it would be my eighth seed. Um, I think they're really good, obviously, but we really don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. And if nothing happens, I think they will be worse. Um, I think the team atmosphere, the whole thing around Ben Simmons, like 
I feel like that's going to be really difficult to move past, especially considering what happened in the playoffs, the results. So I have them really low, but it's almost comical. Uh, they're they're comically low. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they still have Joel Embiid. I have the Sixers right. and the Heat kind of in their own tier of like, these teams could be really good, but there are also a lot of ways this could blow up. Right. You know, like... And so, like, they're for me, they're above the bottom of the tier, but, like, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them ended up lower than the teams I have ranked to them, or even in the play-in tournament, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe even, dare I say, like, the ninth seed in the play-in tournament kind of thing, you know? Right. Like, there's a bunch of ways it could go wrong for both of them. But they also yeah. have so much talent, and as we know in the NBA, talent usually wins, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of one of those, like... <laughs> Ooh, 50-50s. For me, I have, like, four teams that, again, they all feel like they should be ranked higher, but, like, what do you do, right? Um, That's being the Celtics, the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Bulls. I mean, we covered how much better the Bulls got. The Knicks probably got better. The Celtics were just bad last year. They did not play up to their talent level. I think they got marginally better this offseason, and so just with improved playing up to their talent level should be better next year. And the Hawks, I'm not as bullish on the Hawks as everybody else, but also they did make the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So, like, and they have a lot of young talent that's only going to get better. So, like, what do you do, you know? Yeah, here's what you do, Tim. You put them third because you're trolling, like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but I have similar ones for, I mean, I have Senators as an eighth, obviously, and then I have... Five, six, seven. I have Bulls, Celtics, and Knicks. Um, slightly different order from Tim. I think Knicks are. I have the same place as Tim. I think they'll be good. Honestly, they were kind of a surprise to me last uh, year. I didn't realize like how good Julius Randle was going to be within that team and how no, that was going to work out. Julius Randle didn't know how good he was going to be last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was definitely a surprise. And then I have the Celtics. I think the Celtics could definitely go higher. Like you said, they have all the. Um, they have the star power that they need, really, and I think the two Js, like if they just keep developing and really taking even bigger roles, I think they'll be do really well. And I'm not just saying that because I play for the Celtics um, on Two K Twenty One, because I swear in that game, Robin Williams, their like smaller center or their sorry, their younger center is pretty good. So I'm like, okay, like I can see them, you know, playing um, fairly well. Although I still have them lower than Tim because. For some reason, um, I have the Bulls at five. Um, I'm hopeful. I think these rankings also reflect what I would like to see, so I have them up there. <laughs> That's fair. I have the Celtics that high because I want the Celtics to be that high. <laughs> You're not the only one. And I think that's the thing, though, right, is a lot of these teams are really close together, and you can't, It, you know, if you think the Bulls are better yeah. than the Celtics, like, I might mildly argue with you, but I'm not going to really argue. Like, I can see it, you know? I also know that, at least me personally, I tend to overvalue defense because in the NBA. And so, you know, it's one of those things, actually. In the NBA, the regular season, offense wins. In the postseason, defense wins. And so, you know, when ranking these teams, I think I overvalue that postseason when, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Bulls finished, like, third and then lost in five games in the first round. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be interesting. But, yeah, I guess beyond that, like, I also have the Heat at four think they'll be pretty good at least for next year and then i have the hawks up here um just because like you said they made the 
Eastern Conference Finals. I think Trey Young will continue to be amazing. Um, and I honestly, again, just want to see them do really well. I think the Hawks are uh, are great. I'm excited to see their their younger stars keep playing well. And then really, like, our, our top two, I feel like it's pretty undisputed. Um, I think the order, too. We have the Nets and the Bucks, right? The Nets, I think you'd be crazy not to put them first. I mean, barring any, like, season-long um, injuries, they're still the favorites. Um, but obviously, you do have to respect the defending champions, Bucks, especially since we talked about the fair, like, you know, the decent improvements that they made um, and mostly to stay at where they are. So I feel like those two are pretty undisputed for us in the East. Yeah. Again, if the Nets are fully healthy, they probably belong in a tier of their own, especially just in the NBA in general, let alone the East. But there are enough questions. I mean, Kyrie wasn't available for a lot. James Harden, while he doesn't have an injury, does not have an injury history, did have a nagging injury last year. Those are always kind of the most concerning when it's just nagging. Um, And so, you know, and the Bucks did beat the Nets last year to get to the championship. Um, I mean, albeit with no Kyrie and the slightly injured James Harden and by the tip of KD's shoe. But, you know, they did win. So I think they do deserve to be in the same tier, at least preseason. But I don't think I'd be at all surprised if the Nets run away with it this year. So... On to the West. What do we yes. got? I think the West, I think both of us feel more confident predicting the West, right? Because we've seen yeah. these teams. Um, we see them a lot fairly often. I think maybe it's some of the smaller uh, details of like certain placements that I think will be pretty tricky. Um, but for, at least for me, um, Actually, I'm kind of trolling again here. I mean, I think the clear two bottom are Rockets and Thunder, but I have the Kings last just because I have a personal vendetta. Not because they did anything to me or even the Warriors. I just don't like them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to Kings fans. Like, you guys play in Sacramento. I don't like your colors. I feel like there's just no hype. So that's why I'm just memeing and putting them last. I don't think they will be last, but that's my bottom three. (laughs) Yeah. I got the Spurs, Rockets, and Thunder. I mean, the Thunder have no veterans this year. Like, literally none except Derek Favors, who's not going to win you any games. And so, as a general rule of thumb, rookies and second-year players don't do well. I think the Rockets fall in the same boat. They have a few more veterans, so I think they'll be above the Thunder. Um, But, um, you know, they're going to play a lot of young players, and that's usually going to lead to a lot of losses. Again, they could be good really fast with the young players they have. I just don't think it's going to be this year. And for their sake, you know, they do really bad this year. They get another early young player to add next year or next year's draft and the spurs okay i feel really bad doing this this is gonna blow up terribly in my face because it's greg popovich and it's the spurs even though their mystique has kind of been lost but they just have no high-end talent they have a ton of depth they have a ton of good players but unless keldon johnson or devin vassal or somebody really pops they just don't have anything resembling a go-to player and that's gonna be you know, t- again, talent wins, and they don't have it. Yeah, I think besides the Kings pick that I had, um, pretty much up to the next tier, it's pretty similar to the next two teams would be the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. I mean, you have the Kings sandwich in between them, which is fair. Um, but I think those two teams like are kind of teams that you could see like you know, surprising us, um, but also at the same time, they could pretty much stay where they are, you know what I mean? So, like, 
I'm not too high on either of those teams unless um, like Zion just takes that next step or something, even though he's already really good. Yeah. I mean, okay, the Pelicans had a terrible offseason. They had all this flexibility and stuff, and they came away with Devontae Graham, who's worse than Lonzo Ball, and paid a right. first-round pick to do that. Um, you know, but again, Zion Williams and Brandon Ingram are a really good young duo. And, you know, barring Zion forcing his way out, which was, you know, rumored a little bit this offseason. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I feel like the Kings, the Pelicans, and the Timberwolves are the teams that have talent but haven't done anything with it in so long that, yeah. like, it's hard to see them. Like, again, none of these teams I would be surprised if they made the play in. In fact, I think statistically one of them has to. Um, not statistically, just, just counting. Um, but, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they popped to the eighth seed. But, you know, it's one of those, like, I got to see it to believe it with them kind of thing. Um, whereas everybody above them, I've seen it, and therefore I believe it kind of thing. And so, you know, for me, kind of bouncing to the next tier, I got the Grizzlies, I got the Mavericks, and I got the Trailblazers as the talented... Well, the Trailblazers and Mavericks are the talented but incomplete teams, and the Grizzlies are the young team that's really deep but needs somebody to help John Morant out. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about the Grizzlies. Like they're just right outside. I mean, they literally beat the Warriors right to um, in, in the play-ins. But yeah, I feel like with no major changes, they'll still be kind of like right outside. But I I could see them. For me, reaching the Trailblazers, who are at the eighth seed for me, I think the Trailblazers actually. This might come to buy me uh, again, but I feel like their season is not going to turn out well. I think the tensions between Lillard and the team will increase as the season goes on if there's no trade for him during this offseason. And I feel like that won't bid well um, for their season, even though they'll still be a good team. Yeah. Here's the other thing is the Trailblazers, A, are going to have a hard time putting together a defense with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Norman Powell playing big minutes. And B, they have no depth. There's maybe seven people on that team who I'd be comfortable with playing <laughs> any kind of minutes in the postseason. You know? Um, Dame, again, Dame could carry him through a playoff series. Like, not going to lie, you know? Yeah. And again, we've noted that offense wins, and they have between Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell a lot of it but I don't see them being a championship contender. And unless they make a big shakeup, like trade McCollum for Ben Simmons, which I think would do them a lot of good. I think that I just, okay, that's a trade. I don't understand why that hasn't happened yet. McCollum for Ben Simmons, but that's, you know, something else. Cause that would just, the Sixers think they can get Lillard for Ben Simmons, <laughs> but I don't see it happening. And then the Mavericks, Luca, I think we figured out how far Luca can take them. So barring Kristaps Porzingis go up, turning back into what we all thought he was two years ago, um, I think he has a very defined ceiling in which he might be able to carry you to a first-round upset, and that's about it. I'm still high on Luka, though. I think the the Olympics are, were pretty were pretty fun to watch him. You know, really carry his team. Um, a lot of there are a lot of memes about how Mark Cuban should just buy the entire Slovenian roster. <laughs> um, to compliment him on on the Mavericks, honestly, um, no, I love Luca. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think Luca definitely reminds me of like a a LeBron, where like 
he really is just carrying his team so hard at such a young age. And I think for me, that puts him a little bit over the Clippers with um, Kawhi injured. I mean, those two teams have always pretty like in the last, I think, couple of years, they've faced each other in the playoffs and back and um, forth. Back and forth. Yeah. So I, I feel like I maybe this is the Mavericks here if, if Kawhi is still hurt. Um, and and I don't know, some of the other stars around Luka step up. Yeah. And I think for me, the next tier above those three is the Nuggets and the Clippers that fall under the, they're missing a key player for yeah. most, if not all the season. Um, with, you know, the Clippers obviously missing Kawhi probably at least until the playoffs and the Nuggets missing Jamal Murray probably for half the season, if not more. And definitely have the talent to be in that top tier. But until they get those guys back, I just can't put them in that top yep. tier of the West. You know? Right. I, that's why I think that the Nuggets are below for me that the Jazz have Nuggets at five and Jazz at four. I think if the Nuggets were healthy, I think the Nuggets Jazz is pretty toss up, and I think the Nuggets would take that with how well Jokic uh, played last season and all of that. I think the Jazz will be in the regular season. I guess this is more for me like a playoff thing, um, but because they're missing Jamal Murray, I still have Jazz at four. Yeah, and then for me, the top four teams, like I think there's. Two, maybe I think there's two of these teams that I think are significantly more likely to make it out of the West with a third one that's a contention and a fourth one that I don't think I'm going to pick. The fourth one being the Jazz. But, you know, I think in the regular season, at least, I wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams came out on top of the West. And, you know, um, those being the Suns, you got to respect the Western Conference champions. They didn't lose anybody. Well, they lost Troy Craig, which I think will be a mildly more bigger loss than most people think, but they also fixed their biggest problem by signing JaVale McGee, which is a sentence I never thought I would say out loud. Um, <laughs> but they needed a backup center, and JaVale McGee is a good backup center with a lot of championship experience. And, you know, you can't do much better than that. Um, Damn, imagine Jeff, saying that about JaVale like five years ago. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> how things have changed. How things have changed. And then the Jazz... The Jazz have one of the deepest eight squads of eight in the league. I mean, Rudy Gobert, Bogdan Bogdanovich, or Bojan Bogdanovich, excuse me, not Bogdan. He's on the uh, Hawks. Um, and then uh, Royce O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, and Rudy Gay is a really deep eight. But again, as close as Mitchell is to being that superstar, he's not yet. At least not yet. I wouldn't be surprised if he became it this season. And also, Rudy Gobert, I do not understand how he keeps turning into a liability in the playoffs. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, there's a lot of videos on it. I watched one. I still don't get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, it is what it is. I mean, he had a good, pretty good summer going, um, getting second with his team in, in the Olympics. But, yeah, I think that Jazz is one of those teams where it's like, they need to show me something before I actually believe it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah, so I think you were going to say the rest of your teams, right? Yeah, and the last tier, Warriors and Lakers. I mean, Warriors is obviously contingent on how Clay comes back, but everything looks good so far, so we're going to believe that it's going to be good. Um, he's coming back around Christmas, which, you know, so again, the Warriors might have a little lower regular season win total, but I think Steph, Clay, and Dre, with people they've got around them, especially with Iggy back, and maybe some of those rookies popping again, we'll talk about them on their own in a week or so, but um, 
they could be as dangerous as anybody. Lakers, you know, fit and defense issues aside, they have the most top-end talent, save the Nets and the Bucks, maybe, and maybe a healthy Warriors team. But they have the most guaranteed top-end talent in the West. Let's just stay off, stop there, you know. Um, and talent wins, so, you know, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, for me, it's the Lakers, Suns, and Warriors. I actually probably even as I'm really hopeful for the Warriors season, I would probably usually have them four, but I just couldn't put them under the Jazz. I don't know. There are just certain teams in the NBA I'm just like, I don't believe. And I feel like the Jazz and the Kings are, are two of them. <laughs> I don't particularly know why, but I just don't. Um, so we got the Lakers-Suns. I think, I think the Suns could be pretty good. I have a feeling that this will be the, I guess... I don't want to say the last season, but this will be a very important season for them because I think if they're not good this season, it might be at the start of a, of a decline. I mean, it's already pretty hard to get further than where they did, So, but besides winning the whole thing. Um, but yeah, so I'll have the Lakers-Suns, and then the Warriors during the regular season probably will be around four, but if Clay comes back and everything looks good, I could definitely see them shooting up to two like Tim has them. Just so excited to watch them. I mean, it's always exciting to watch it, and then sometimes things happen, right? And then it's like hard for us Warriors fans to watch the rest of the season. But man, are we hopeful for Clay? Are we hopeful for Christmas? Yeah, indeed. Well, we went longer than we were expecting to, which you know that shouldn't be any surprise to anybody. Yeah, we're getting uh, back into it. We're getting back into it, and also there was a lot to catch up on. So this will probably be one of the longer of these one-shot episodes we do. Um, but hope you enjoyed. Hope you feel caught up on the NBA. And uh, we'll see you soon with some more NBA stuff. And uh, yeah. See ya. See ya.